Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. I've got three great guests on the show this week and all of them are recent ranking event winners. First up is Scotland's Cameron Menzies, who defeated James Hurrell 6-0 just over a week ago to win the 2021 Welsh Open, the fourth ranking title of his career. Cameron and I discussed that win, booking a return to Lakeside four years after his debut, mental health struggles during lockdown and practice sessions with Fallon Sherrick. I'm now delighted to be joined by the Welsh Open champion Cameron Menzies. Cameron, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah. So first off, before we get into the darts, a football-related question. I know you're a, a big Rangers man. You had the sad yeah. news yesterday of Walter Smith. What kind of legacy do you think he has for Rangers oh, and you as a fan? Well, I think he's, I think, I think question, at least one of our biggest managers, biggest names at the club for the last like, 30 years. So yeah, it's, it brings a tonight, so it's a bit of... That's a real kind of thing because obviously he came back twice. So for, for Rangers fans, he's like one of the biggest idols, especially in my lifetime. Kind of, he's been the you know, manager twice in, in Mali, so yeah, he's a massive loss of the club. Well, on to the darts then. Congratulations on your, your Welsh Open win last weekend. You played great. What does it mean to have secured a return to Lakeside for you? It was kind of weird because I thought I had a wee outside chance for done well at the English and the British, but I didn't do too good there, so I never thought that I'd obviously win the Welsh. So I think that was a good thing because I just kept playing these games as they come. Usually when you get to the later stages, you, you start thinking, I could I'm probably get closer now, but I just kept playing every game and played some good players. And it was good to get back winning because I, I changed my darts about three four times over the weekend, so I'm just struggling trying to get a set of darts I'm comfortable with just because I'm not happy when I'm playing them. Trying different things to see if there's something to click, but then all of a sudden it clicked. So when you go back to the old set, I think. <laughs> what kind of are you changing the the grams, the size, the flights? It was actually everything. I played the, uh, at first. I thought it was just gonna be like the thickness and maybe a bit more grip, but we played like a fun singles, and I played with Ryan Hogarth the first night because I was room sharing with him, and we practiced before we went over, and I was playing really well with him. And then after two games, I started playing bad. So I, I played with Falcons the rest of the tournament and, and, and won the, the fun thing. So I was going to use those, but then she was at the PDC, so I couldn't really use those. So I went back to the Dobies that I've been using for a long time. And they worked, so I don't know, it's weird. It's the main thing, I think, but hmm. I'll keep plodding away. Well, I was going to mention that kind of, you know, the money in, the money out competition. It's not as yeah. serious, obviously, but you won and there were a couple of good good averages and stuff in there so did that give you a bit of confidence going into the, the bigger events yeah I've, I've, I won it years ago and I just went down there Thursday just through practice because I've not been playing much leagues up here because the leagues are just kind of finally starting back up because obviously Covid and stuff so I went down earlier for a, a game practice and started good and then go slow and then I kind of kicked in later on so it was, it was good to finally have those couple of good averages again and then the same the doubles I put okay spells in the doubles so um, the good thing is on Saturday I watched match today day didn't do anything so I was up early recharged for Sunday so I think that's, that was one of the better things though because I was up early ready to go for Sunday and I think it helped in the long run because I felt real, in the final I felt like fine like not long day kind of tired and stuff so I felt fine in the final kind of thing. so the early night the night I four helped massively so that final against James Hurrell he definitely 
you know, wasn't at his best, but fairly oh. routine stuff for you. And were you able to just kind of focus on your own game and, you know, hit the doubles and stuff? Yeah, I just, I know Jim's played so well to get there, and he just seemed like just not playing the way he has been recently. And I think when I stole the third leg, that just, I kind of knew then that if I just keep playing like this, he's, unless he starts stepping up, that I'll just keep playing away and I might get the victory kind of thing. Because it was a point, it was sure the third leg, he'd asked to go 2 1 and missed him, and I stole it to go 3 0, and I thought that kind of like killed it off a little bit. But I mean, obviously, after COVID and stuff, things are starting to get back. You played the Challenge Tour and won the, the last one of the year, which was great. But obviously, the, the WDF-style events, the English, the British, they're a very different kind of event. So did you feel that you're kind of finally getting back into the stride of those kind of events again? Yeah, well, that's what I used to play before I joined. Um, PDC was on the best of five, best of sevens kind of thing. I used to think that was fine until you play, like, first of five and six. So it's short formats, and because I'm quite... Uh, Kind of scoring spells like I can have three or four good legs, which can also be enough to win a game of WDF. But in Challenge Tour, that could be enough to win to go three one. Kind of gives a longer legs kind of thing. So yeah, I was quite happy to get where I got to. I was just every game I got to the last sixteen, last eight was a bonus kind of thing. I just kept trying to get as far as possible and just hopefully win the next game, which is hopefully the mentality I can keep for the future. Because I used to sometimes think two games ahead, like oh, if I win this one, I'm here, and then. So I think I read on you know social media and stuff that before the Welsh you were struggling with a, a couple of niggling injuries. Is that right? Yeah, well I'm back playing football and I, I get, um, I'm generally I'm actually after this I'm going to go training in this weather, but I get I played in goals and I'm I hurt my wrist and to at this moment my wrist still dodgy. I've been injured my back, I've injured my knee, I've injured my wrist. So I don't know if that's a sign that I'm going to get too old now to play, but. I'm still 32, so the goalkeeper, I've got a couple of years left, but I hurt my wrist playing, it was an accidental clash, but at the time, I thought the loss because the pain had to come off, because the pain was really bad. Mm, okay. And is that your throwing arm? Yeah, that was a panning bit, because it was my left hand, I wouldn't be too bothered, but as well as my job, I need my, kind of my hands for my job as well, so I was panicking a little bit, because it was really bad, so I was taking to this moment, it's tender, so I think I've done something to the ligaments, because this physio, I think he's a paramedic, it's so up, so you see it's not broken or anything, but it may be able to damage the tendons and stuff. You say to go to the doctors, but I was stubborn me, didn't go. Probably <laughs> just rest it for some reason to see what happens. <laughs> so, looking back for you then, you made your Lakeside debut nearly four years ago now, 2018. Yeah. When you went up for the, up there for that game with Conan Whitehead, did you feel nerves? Yeah, really, I had friends down from the village as well, and I, I've played in stages since then, but that was like one of the nervous things, I've, I was really nervous, I don't know if it's because it's something I've watched so much as a kid, I've always wanted to be there, so I'm, I'm hoping this time I, I, I can take it a little better, because I've played in big stages before and not been as nervous, but that one was, the half first game, Conor was playing well and deserved the beers, but I remember just never, just never feel comfortable, just always chasing just couldn't seem to get into the match at all. So hopefully a bit more relaxed, maybe a bit more old on the head as well. Hopefully she'll be play better, see what happens. And as you mentioned, after after that appearance at Lakeside, you went over to the, the PDC, did the Challenge Tour and, and Q School. And one of the things you did on there was the Euro Tour. So if you're back at Lakeside, are we going to see the hat you wore at the Euro Tour? <laughs> well, and that was, you know, I, don't, I don't even have it anymore. It was just someone threw it on the crowd and I just picked it up. Kind of thing. It was just, you know, sometimes you play, you can hear certain people shout on you. And I'm positive this person was just like supporting me. And I was so happy to win. They threw like, the, the, the wee Bill and Ben hat on and I just picked it up. It was just, 
Yeah, it's one of those things, and it was like I've seen a few pictures of it, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> When you went over to the, the PDC side of things, you made a good impression. You, you did well at Q School, did well on the Challenge Tour and were close to a tour card on a couple of occasions. Do you think those disappointments have made you a stronger player? I, I, don't, I remember once I lost out, I think it was on legs, and I actually had to wait till the last game. I think I may be wrong, but I think it all, all depends on the last game. And I think it was at the semi-final, only one person could stop me on the tour card because I was like next one line, I think. So I finished just like off with two legs. So that actually was hard to tear hurt, kind of because I felt so close and yeah, I, I was obviously didn't get one. So that kind of was painful then. But since then, I've just been striking back to enjoy it. And if I get a tour card, then I get one, kind of because I think I try too hard sometimes at Cusco when I don't see play the way I can. I think I'm just trying that hard. I just need your stocking seeking gear. Hmm. Earlier this year, I saw you wrote on, on Twitter that you were in a pretty dark place mentally. Was that because of you know the pandemic and the lockdowns? Yeah, so I wasn't working during COVID. Um, I quit my job just before COVID happened. And then I had my daughter quite a lot. But then I tried to get a job and all this stuff in personal life. And just I could not get a job. But being a plumber, uh, during COVID, I ended up working in the factory just to try to get by. Because there was no darts, there was nothing. Because I'm always someone who could darts, football. I don't usually sit in the house kind of thing. And that's all I was doing. And I just put the weight on. I a lot more than I have already. I was nearly like 20 stone at one point. So, yeah, it was just a place to sit in the house and not working, just you know, doing the usual stuff, watching TV, drinking more than should be, just because my life has at the moment, uh, well, at, at that time. So I had to get a job somewhere. And then I ended up working in a factory making car parts just to try and get back to normality because COVID wasn't a friend of mine or a lot of people as well because broke a lot of routines up. Yeah, for sure. Would you say you're in a better place now, physically and mentally? Yeah, well, I'm back playing football now to try and help shift the, the, the COVID way, I would say the lockdown way. And that's sort of getting back to normal, because I, I used to play like three, four times a week in leagues and stuff, so that was like my social life. And when I kind of stopped, it was just, I didn't like it at all. So yeah, things are getting back now. I've got a job that I'm, I'm really happy with, yeah, I'm quite stable. And that's what's going to be showing messy magic now. So yeah, I'm getting back to a good place at the moment. It's good to hear, mate. Good to hear. So, in terms of darts and stuff, I know you're you're not a big practicer. So, how much practice are you doing at the moment, and how many of the the leagues and stuff are back up and running for you? Um, I've actually not been practicing a lot because I'm back football, but I've been doing really two three two three nights a week. I maybe practice, but Friday nights is starting back up, and I'm going to sign on a Monday for a new league because those two leagues I think I played on are folded because a lot of teams have not been interested since the COVID so it's quite a even like county wise as well in Scotland we don't know what's happening in the, the south because I think it's like three or four teams have folded as well counties wise for the season because a lot of teams can't afford it a lot of teams have lost a lot of players so we don't really know what's happening yet but things are getting in leagues wise Friday nights Mondays and uh, sometimes a Wednesday now, I think it is I'm picking back up so I'd like to play those nights so Three, four times a week is enough for me because uh, how many hours I work. But I like to do it all, but when you've got a job and stuff, it's, it's quite hard to put all the eggs in one basket. Yeah, totally. You're obviously in a, a relationship with Fallon Cherrick at the moment, and the way yeah. she's playing and you know what she's doing for the ladies' game, I'm sure is giving you some motivation as well. Yeah, well, we will. Usually we play, uh, if she's up, we practice for a good couple of hours, or 
I was a big fan of online stuff, but I was sometimes she I tell her to practice. I'm I'm telling her to practice more than telling myself telling myself, but we usually sometimes play like up the that Darts Connect stuff as well, like through the, the iPad when she's doing home and stuff. So I try and help her practice and it definitely helps me because sometimes I can't even get close to her. Right? So it's just a different level at times. <laughs> kind of touched on, you know, the county and the local stuff, but between yeah. now and Lakeside, are you likely to be travelling to any more WDF events? one. I did look into going to Ireland but that's been hurting the head and um, I think I've only got one more dart tournament away and it's not even a WDF event, it's just more in England. So that's me till basically the late side of things. So that's why I'm trying to I've signed for a team on a Monday to get some game practice in because I knew if I'm not playing any tournaments like that I'll need to try and get some local practice in and some local tournaments in because that'll be needed. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Cameron. I really appreciate it. And uh, wish you the best for the rest of the year and at Lakeside in January as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for the phone call, mate. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Cameron. It's great to hear that he's in a better place now, physically and mentally. And he played really well during the Welsh Open weekend, even if he was regularly changing his equipment. And I think without the nerves that go along with making your Lakeside debut, I think he could go very well indeed in January. He won the men's Welsh Open. The winner of the women's Welsh Open was Kirsty Hutchinson. She took the tactical decision to go to Bristatin rather than going to the second block of the women's series and the decision absolutely paid off for her. She lost the Welsh Classic final to Beau Greaves but rallied and an hour later came back to beat both 5-4 in the Welsh Open final. Kirsty and I discussed that win over Bo, what her dream draw at Lakeside would be, who her source of inspiration and encouragement during the Welsh Open was, struggling with social anxiety and her event plans for the rest of 2021. I'm now delighted to be joined by the 2021 Welsh Open champion, Kirsty Hutchinson. Kirsty, how are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Congratulations on your, your win last weekend. Has securing your Lakeside debut sunk in yet? Yeah, to be fair, it sunk in quite quickly. It definitely took all the pressure off of chasing the points and watching everybody else's games and and just thinking all the time about where I'm going to end up in the table. So, yeah, it sunk in quite quick and, and the pressure's off. Yeah, for sure. You could definitely tell the emotion in your face when that winning double went in against Bo. Yeah, um, to be fair, automatically just tears straight up like filled my eyes. Yeah, just an absolute dream come true to be going to the lake side. Well, you'd played Bo just an hour before in the, the Welsh Classic and I think it's safe to say you were quite disappointed with your performance. How did you manage to turn it around sort of mentally and in terms of your, your darts as well? Yeah, to be fair, I came off from that defeat and I'd been playing so well all weekend and I just felt like that had been drained from me. Got my stuff together, put my coat on, uh, went for a walk around the block outside and just came back with a total different mentality. Got straight back on the practice board, um, spoke to a couple of people who I idolise, um, who were there. And, you know, they just gave me some, some words, helped clear the mind. And I just had to go up there and play a total different game. Yeah, well, I mean, you definitely, definitely did it in the final. Did you, I mean, you'd, you'd played well at the British Open weekend, got to two quarterfinals there and, and played some good stuff at the, the Women's Series as well. Did you feel kind of big runs like you produced in Wales were coming? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been putting the, the practice and effort in 
and I'd also had a, a lot of good runs at the PDC Women's Series a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, my game was really comfortable. I found a lot of rhythm. And then when I got up there on the first game, it just, I, I don't know, I was just throwing super fast and I don't really know where it came from or what went wrong, but, you know, I managed to put things right. I mean, touch on the, the women's series there. Obviously, the, the second block clashed with the, the Welsh Open weekend. Was your plan always to go to Wales or did the clash kind of influence your decision? Uh, so, no, in, in the end, it did become a, a tactical decision. I've always wanted to be at the Lakeside. Um, so I'm not going to hide the fact that, you know, I asked some of the big players, oh, where are you thinking of going? Uh, let them all kind of make their decision, watch their entries go in, and then I thought, well, I'm going to make a move and go to Wales and, and get my place. It definitely worked out well for you. <laughs> <laughs> you played at the World Championship before at the, the O2, which obviously you know was very different, but how was that experience at the World Championships? I loved every minute of that. Um, I'd worked hard on the tour and thought I would qualify through rankings, but I just uh, fell short at the last hurdle and I, I ended up having to go to that one-day qualifier. Um, but I loved every minute of being on that stage. I um, I did everything right. I just I just fell short against uh, Aileen, who took her last leg decider. Um, but this time round, it's just going to be totally different. You can't beat the lakeside. And this time, the, the Ladies' World Championship, the WDF have done great work. So there's going to be a, a record prize fund for the women how big would you say that is for the ladies' game? Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely huge for the lady game, um, and we need a we need a massive breakthrough. Um, and the WDF are, are realising that. You know, the PDC are putting on these quality events with a lot of money to make. So if the WDF want women to turn up to their events, this is what they need to do. Personally, I don't chase money. It, it's not an issue to me. I chase points and, and I chase the dream. Um, so, yeah, so the WDF, they carry on doing what they're doing. They're going to have a lot of ladies turn up and support their events. And what what is the dream then for you? Is that qualifying for Lakeside or is that being a world champion? No, the dream always has been since I've watched the darts from a young age was me on that stage with Trina Gulliver. I've done the best part of my dream. I just need Trina to to, to make it happen. Well, fingers crossed for you. It was frustrating in a sense because I think COVID came, I mean, it came at a bad time for everyone. But in terms of the darts, I think it came at a bad time for you because 2019 was a breakthrough year. You won two titles in Northern Ireland, one in Holland, made your TV debut at the World Trophy and then played at the World Championship and then everything stopped. Did you feel like your momentum had been taken away? Um, no, not really. If anything, I enjoyed the break. I, yet again, I just start putting too much pressure. I read far too into like into everything. I watch other people's games. I watch what other people are picking up points-wise. And, and mentally, it got too much where it was going to end up destroying the game. Um, so when we went into lockdown, as much as I tried to put the effort in, thinking we'd be back sooner than we were, I um, I, I just totally like stepped away from the game and the board and maybe didn't pick my darts up for at least six months. And I've come back with a total different mentality, a different rhythm, a different throw altogether, and I feel a hundred times better for it. Well, I mean that that breakthrough for you in twenty nineteen, I think you know, was a little while coming. But when did you actually first start playing darts? I started playing in. I'm, I'm from a little village, uh, and I started playing in a, in a youth club. 
just with a few of my friends. Um, we would just kind of, we would just mess around on the board from about the age of 14, 15. And then it was a family thing. My brother and my dad play, um, and I kind of just got into it through that. But yeah, I, I used to play for like three hours a night in this youth club. So kind of what was the, the point then for you where you were like, you know, I'm actually quite decent at this? Uh, I'd, I'd been watching the Lakeside for years and years and it was only maybe, I don't know, three years ago maybe. Well, actually, it was the first year I qualified. Before that year started, I said to my dad, give me one go on that tour and I'll qualify. And that's that was maybe me just being arrogant, but I, th- I usually find arrogance is confidence. And I went out and I did it. So I was just, I proved to myself that I knew that I could throw at the high standard that these women can throw at. So that first title for you came came over in Holland. And I know there was, you know, some issues with that tournament at the time. But what did that mean when you kind of got that breakthrough win and had that title under your belt? I honestly thought I would never, ever win a major title. Um, I have good runs to the quarterfinals, to the semifinals, but I never once thought that I would pick up any major trophies. Uh, so I did, I kind of, you know, proved myself wrong a little bit um, and went out and did it. But yeah, I never once thought that I would I would win a title. And I still don't believe in myself now to win them. Um, and I still can't believe that I managed to do that at the weekend. And I'm sure it was frustrating for you that this year Northern Ireland got cancelled because obviously couple of years ago, went over there and won both tournaments that weekend, so it must have been a special weekend for you. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy that tournament. I seem to do well there all the time. I always seem to make at least the semi-finals and get on that stage. But yeah, yet again, I didn't I didn't think I'd ever do the double. So I keep surprising myself and I keep um, I keep up in my game. Um, I just need to, I just need to be confident in myself and believe that I can do it because I, I do struggle with confidence. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I was talking to, to Cameron Menzies yesterday who obviously won the, the Men's Welsh Open a little bit after you did and he was talking about how the, the pandemic and stuff had had a, a negative effect on his mental health. Was that something that was true for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a long time sitting in the house and looking at the same four walls. It it was just, it, it's been harder coming out of it and having to... To socialise again, I, I get real bad like social anxiety. Um, so to then try and overcome that and put confidence back in on the board, it is, it is a real struggle. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly where he's coming from with that. So is a, a dart hall full of 600 people a worrying thing for you or is that kind of like a happy place for you? No, it's, uh, it's definitely the anxiety I get before entering a venue is is just horrific um but it's something i keep making myself do and i turn up all the time um it's just it's just whether you know it depends which Kirsty turns up if i'm if i'm in a happy place then i know i'm gonna do well if i'm already regretting the decision to go somewhere and my darts aren't going well to start with then i know it's just going to be a bad weekend so are there, any, are there any kind of like coping mechanisms that you've developed to manage that or is it just a case of a time-by-time time thing? No, I just kind of, you know, I like involve myself and, and, and sit with the right people, the people who make me happy, my friends. I mean, I haven't got many friends on the tour, but the, the people I do have, they help, you know, and I've, I've got a few 
I mean, I'm like one of my good friends is the 2009 Win My World Master Linda Ritherold, and I had the, I had her there at the Welsh Open, and she's the only voice I could hear because she's the only one that understands. Mm. So you know, like I do, I my win, I, I it, it was for Linda that one. That's lovely. So now you've qualified. That means you don't have to to travel to chase the points or chase qualification. But will you still be travelling before the end of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've already planned. I um, I booked. Uh, I'm going to Prague, and I booked Southern Ireland. Um, and it's just a case of I've, I've worked so hard to get to the seeding where I am now, when I'm currently ranked seventh. So I'm going to just try and keep keeping that top eight and uh, and see what happens and. I need to keep going because it's the only. I don't play through the week. I don't play anybody else. I only turn up and play people at these competitions. So I really, really still need the match practice before Lakeside. So yeah, I need to. I need to keep going. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll be in over. I'll be over in Ireland as well. Probably making a tit of myself in the men's competitions. But <laughs> I'll have a catch up with you then. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, Kirsty. I really appreciate it. And no worries at all. Well done again on your Welsh Open win, and I wish you the best for the rest of the year in Lakeside in January. Thank you very much. I enjoyed chatting with Kirsty. She's someone who's very much got her head switched on, and she's really coming on well as a player at the moment and producing some good stuff. If she's playing in Ireland and a couple more events before the end of the year, she's definitely going to be somebody in good form when the World Championship comes around at the beginning of the new year. Talking of the lakeside, Dita Edman is now more or less certain to be top seed for the, the women's competition, I'd think, after winning two more titles this past weekend in Hungary. They were the third and fourth for her this season and the 218th and 219th of her illustrious career. Both titles came courtesy of 5-0 final wins, the first in the bronze-graded classic against Hungary's Adrian Vaisho and the second in the silver-graded Masters against former guest on this show and Russian thrower Elena Shulgina. Now Hungary is done, there's only one Eastern European event left on the calendar before the end of the season, and that's the silver-graded Czech Open later this month. With only one event left, we've got a clear indication of who's got a chance of, of qualifying through the regional tables. In terms of the ladies, there are only three left with a shout of qualifying. That's Yitka Sisarova of the Czech Republic, the aforementioned Vaisho and the table topper, Veronica Ehash, who was on the show a couple of months ago. Veronica has a 30-point lead at the top of the table, so she's in a comfortable spot, and ultimately that means that Adrienne needs the semis or better at the Czech Open to, to stand a chance, and she'd need Veronica to, to cash no points at all. The men's race is much more open. Part of that is down to the fact there's two spots, but part of it I think there's a lot more top-end competition between those players. Romania's Lajlo Kadar and Sebastian Steyer were in pole position before the weekend uh, and they remain there, but Patrick Kovac and Benjamin Prattnamer are now within touching distance and if they're at the Czech have got definitely got the ability to, to catch up with them and possibly overtake them as well. The two men's titles in Hungary were split between Mark Barilli and Alexei Kodochnikov. I was talking to uh, Lendl Faria, the, the guy behind the FDI index uh, on Twitter. We were, we were chatting before the events and he said, who was my tip for the weekend? I said, Nick Fulwell. 
Nick played pretty well all weekend. Lost in the final of the Classic to Mark Barilli. Mark's been at Lakeside four times before. He's a wonderful player to watch. He's someone I've seen in person a few times at local events up in Scotland. And let me just say, that man's ability to, to drink and play is quite impressive. But he'd never actually won a ranking title before Hungary, so it's nice to see him end that. Lendl's tip for the weekend was Alexei Kodoshnikov, and, and he won the Masters on the Sunday, defeating Anthony Allen 6-5 in that final. Good run for, for Alexei, who's now in a good position to qualify for Lakeside. I think he's you know 16th, 17th in the world rankings now. And so is Anthony Allen as well, who got a semis in the Classic and then the final of the Masters. It was a shame there was no stream during the weekend, but that was mostly because the, the finals are going to be on Hungarian TV later this week, which is really cool to see the, the darts getting that kind of exposure in Hungary. Uh, and it was nice to see friend of the show John Scott win a title during the weekend. He won the men's pairs alongside the Dutchman Eric van Manen. One man waiting to hear about lakeside qualification is Canada's Sean Burt. He won the Klondike Open in October, and that put him in a three-way tie behind Dave Cameron for the second men's Canadian regional ranking qualification spot. Matt Campbell is one of the guys in that tie, and he's expected to, to choose Alexandra Palace, which would then leave Rory Hansen and Sean Burt tied. I know conversations are, are underway, WDF, NDFC, about how they're going to resolve that. Uh, but in the meantime, I managed to grab a chat with Sean last week to talk his win at the Klondike Open, what he's heard about how they're going to split up that tie, his previous experience of playing at Lakeside and struggling badly with jet lag when he played at Q School in 2017. I'm now delighted to be joined by the 2021 Klondike Open champion, Sean Burt. Sean, how are you? I'm good, thank you for asking. Great to have you on the show. Congratulations on your win in Alberta. Came through a field of 148 men. Did you feel the run that you produced was coming when you went into the tournament? Not really, to be honest. Uh, I wasn't well prepared for that tournament. Uh, I did a lot of golfing in the summer, but uh, it was a, I had a great day. It was, it was, uh, it was a good day. <laughs> well, definitely a good day. The way you played, most of your wins were pretty comfortable in the end and beat Dawson Michelle 5-2 in the final. Yeah, I had a close call in uh, against... Um, one player, Daryl Chason, a friend of mine, um, he had four match darts against me in the second round, I believe. And uh, once I got past him, though, it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty good sailing. I played really well. So that win puts you in a three-way tie to join Dave Cameron in qualifying for the WDF World Championships at Lakeside. One of the players you're tied with is Matt Campbell, who most anticipate will choose to go to, to Alexandra Palace, but you and Rory Hansen would still be tied. Have you heard anything from the NDFC or the WDF about that tie and how they might kind of decide who would go through? No, I haven't. I had a uh, quick conversation with Richard Ashdown, but uh, there's no decisions been made as of right now, so I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what they're going to do there. What would it mean to you if you did get the opportunity to, to play on that lakeside stage? Well, I, I, I have played at Lakeside uh, in the World Masters in the past, um, 2016, I believe it was, and I would love to get back there. Absolutely love it. I'd like to get the, the chance to get back on, or, or at least the chance to get on the stage, because I think I was, uh, 
one round short in the last 64, I think, is when I went out. This past weekend, there were the final CDC events of the year in, in Ontario, but I know you're a tour card holder for the CDC, but you weren't there. Is travelling between provinces still quite difficult in Canada? Uh, it's not It's not as difficult as it was. Um, the reason I, I didn't attend this one was because there was short notice for the first events in New Brunswick a couple of months back. Uh, I think there was only two weeks' notice given to the players. And for me, with work and family commitments, as well as the cost to fly where, where I am, because it's right across the country, it didn't make sense, and, and I, I couldn't really make it happen. Um, and then the most recent one in Toronto, because I didn't attend in New Brunswick, it, I didn't have a, really a chance to catch up with the points for uh, for the World Championship spot. So... Again, it didn't make sense for me to uh, to put them, you know, financially and, and with work and everything to put it, you know, and travel out there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How did you actually get into darts in the first place? Well, my father is uh, one of uh, where I grew up in, in Newfoundland, Canada. He was one of the top players uh, for 30 years. And I started playing, I mean, I, I, I've been seen my dad play since I've since I'm born really. So um, I followed in his footsteps really. Um, he's uh, he's uh, achieved quite a lot back home so uh, I just kinda went on from there. It's in the blood in a in a sense, but did you kind of get the sense fairly early on when you started to play that you were quite good as well? Uh, yeah, I won my very first uh, I qualified for the national championships uh, actually tied for uh, when I was I think I was 14, my first tournament I played in the youths. And I actually uh, I was able to win that year. I tied with the guy in the first place. So I played in the national championships back then. Obviously, darts was a, a big thing for you when you were younger, but did you kind of play any other sports at the same time? I know you mentioned been doing a lot of golfing over the summer. Yeah, I played, uh, I, I played the um, mid-amateur national championship uh, this year in, um, in Canada with the... Uh, uh, with the from Fortenberry Golf Club. Oh, nice. So could, yeah, I'm, I'm about a four handicap. I've been playing since uh, since I was 22, I believe. I started playing golf. You're you're based in Fort McMurray in in Alberta. Is that where you've always been based? Uh, no, I moved here uh, uh, 14 and a half years ago. I'm originally from Newfoundland, Canada. Okay. Yeah, moved here and started a family here and I've been here ever since. Hmm. So where you where you originally grew up, obviously, you know, you were into darts and stuff, but when you moved to to Fort McMurray where you are now, what was the scene like? Uh it was good it was, there was a healthy dart scene here. Um the players weren't I wouldn't say the players were uh at a level that that I was at at that time. But in the last ten years the, the, the standard of play in, in this uh, community is about 100,000 people where I live. It, it really improved. There's a lot of good players coming out of this place now. That's good to hear. So in terms of kind of WDF events in Canada, I know something Jeff Smith said to me before was that he often gets the feeling that a lot of players don't quite understand what the points are for and they don't maybe travel so much other than, you know, Dave Cameron. But... Is travelling for points something you would normally look to be doing? 
I've done it in the past. So I about eight years ago, I started traveling for points, um, for NDFC points. It's kind of when I really started to take darts more seriously and you know try to try to actually accomplish something in the game. And uh, I did. I traveled all through the country. The problem with that is that the the money's just not there. I mean, I spent a lot of money over those few years traveling and and even though i was doing well and i was winning uh, it just wasn't enough to cover you know the cost of, of doing it so uh, I, I haven't did it as much in recent years because you know my my girls are getting a little older and not only you know it's more money for them uh it's uh, time away from them and you know when i gotta spend all that money when it could be going towards their activities and, and all that time just I haven't been doing it as much. Mm. There have to be a more reward for me there, you know? No, yeah, no, totally understandable. So the first WDF title for you came six years ago at the, the Chris Hatter Memorial. Looking back on that now, what kind of stands out about that event? The first thing comes to my mind was the final I played. It was uh, it was a very close final, and, and I, I ended up barely winning. But there was a standout moment, yes. Now when I think about it, I played... A well-known player, a good friend of mine, Gian Laviolette. Um, he was a national champion in the past. And I, and I was down and out, down 2-1. to one, And I knew I was in trouble because he was playing really well. And it was first to three. And you're knocked out. So um, I had 146 left. I, I went triple 19, triple 19, double 16. And took out the game, tie it 2-2. And then I went on and... and won the next game easily and yeah that's what stands out about that tournament for me for sure a lovely finish so 2016 kind of touched on it before you played at the the world masters over in england but kind of before we talk about those experience how was it that you actually qualified for the world masters that year i won i think i won the greater vancouver open maybe mm-hmm. i think that's how i, I you know, honestly I don't honestly don't remember for sure. I, I think it was because I won the Greater Vancouver Open, which mm. was a BDO ranked tournament, I believe. So at the World Masters, then played really well, beat Ross Montgomery, which must have been quite a big scalp. Went out, as you say, just before the stage games. Kind of, I'm sure that that tournament holds very fond memories for you. Uh, it, it does. It was. It was. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, my whole, a lot of my family actually went over with me. My um, there was four or five of my aunts and uncles with me, my uh, my father, and my mother. So it was uh, to take them over there because they've been a fan of darts, of course, their whole lives. So it was a really good trip, and and it was uh, and the darts was amazing. It was uh, it was it was really good. Yeah, definitely. Your win at the Klondike means that you've qualified for the the World Masters next year, which will be in the Netherlands. So you'll get uh, the chance to come over to Europe once again, anyway. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Well, well, a few months after that appearance at the World Masters, you actually played at Q School in the UK, which I imagine was quite different to, to any event you kind of played in before in Canada. Uh, absolutely. It was overwhelming, really. Uh, it was overwhelming in that there was like almost 500 people there. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a good experience. It was a... It was good. I did well the first day. I actually ended up sleeping in the second day and missed the second day, actually. 
because uh, the time change, I was having a lot of trouble sleeping, and the same thing happened when I was over in the at the World Masters. Um, I couldn't sleep at night because of the seven-hour time difference, and uh, I ended up, yeah, I slept in the second day, so I kind of ruined my chances that year. Do you know, is doing Q School something you consider doing again in the future? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I was planning on going last year, actually, but COVID kind of hampered that. There was so much indecision about when it was going to be. And again, it was hard to uh, coordinate with that with work and family life. So, But, uh, you know, you never know. This year could be on the table as well. So last year, obviously, everything was kind of difficult because of COVID and whatever. But you were at the CDC events last year and you actually won one of the events. Played really well all the way through. I think averaged 94 in the final. Would you say kind of your run in that event was some of the best starts you've ever played? Um, I, I would say yes, but I can consistently play, you know, 90-plus averages. That's usually where my game is. So that's pretty my regular play when I get into a competition like that. And a big thing for you know a lot of people over the last 18 months has been online darts. Well, was, was that something you kind of got heavily involved with? Was online? You know, I, I, I have done some of it, but um, I don't really enjoy online. It's, uh, it takes out the personal element of it, and I, I just don't, I can't seem to get my game to, you know, kind of get up for the game, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Yeah, I, I struggle with it. it just It's just not, I, I don't enjoy it at all. Now, I think I read somewhere that your, that your nickname is Mr. Intensity, is that right? It is, yeah. Okay, so what, what's the story behind that then? So in 2015, I was at the National Championships in St. Catharines, Ontario, and I hit an eye-darter in the, in the competition. And um, Bullseye Magazine wrote an article after that, uh, and they, uh, they called me Mr. Intensity or something in the article, and that's kind of where it came from. It came from Bullseye Magazine. Ah, very nice. So that nine darts yeah. in the national championships, what kind of stage of the competition was that? That was actually it wasn't the national. It was the nationals week, but it was the it was the pre tournament to that because uh, they have a tournament before the national championship. So it was in that tournament actually. So forgive me for getting that wrong, but um, it was uh, it was in the knockout rounds. I don't really recall where it was. I think it was. I think I made the semi-final, so it was a couple of rounds before that, maybe the top 16 or something, 32, something like that. If we're talking big picture for you, what would be the, the goals that you've set yourself that you'd like to achieve? I want to play in a world championship, that's for sure. You know, I'd like to get out of the lakeside again, to play in, in the world championship there, and, and ultimately I want to play at Ali Pali as well. I mean, if I could do that, that would be uh, for me. That's the pinnacle of darts, right? Uh, just to even compete in them. And uh, I think I'll always strive for that. You know, I'll, I'll attend Q school when I can, try to get a card, uh, play the CDC, because that's been amazing. Peter and Anthony are doing such a great job with that. I'll, I'll always play that. And, uh, yeah, I'll just try to get on that big stage. That's, that's the main goal, really. Well, I look forward to hearing what the, the resolution is for that lakeside spot and hopefully you get to come over in January but 
even if you don't, I'm sure we'll be able to catch up again soon. Thank you very much for your time, Sean. Absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak and uh, have a great day. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Sean, who certainly appears to be a dab hand on the golf course as well as he is on the dartboard. And I look forward to seeing how that Canadian ranking situation resolves. Someone who probably won't be playing at Lakeside now is the Australian Raymond Smith. Chatting to Ray was was one of my favourite interviews of the year. Uh, just listening to this kind of tough time he's been through of it mentally since he last played at Alexandra Palace. But he's booked to return there now after winning the DPA Satellite Tour finals over the weekend. His son Kai will also be playing at the World Championship, so those two will be making history as he won the Oceanic Masters the day before. Hopefully I'll be able to, to catch up with both of them in person in December for a drink and uh, have to say, on a personal note, I, I'm absolutely delighted for, for the both of them, but particularly for Raymond. The WDF Tour rolls on this weekend, but there are no senior events this weekend, just two gold-graded youth events in Russia. The next senior events are on the 9th to the 11th of November, which is the silver-graded Malta Open, and then there's a big weekend just a few days later, the 13th, 14th of November. You have the gold-graded Seacoast Open in Massachusetts, and you also have the gold-graded Irish Open in Killarney, where I'll be playing. Um, so obviously both of those are going to give us four more, possibly, lakeside qualifiers. And there's also silver-graded Irish Classic that weekend as well, and the bronze-graded Challenger Classic over in Australia, which will be the final Australian event of the season, and that will determine who, in theory, Australia's lakeside qualifiers are. My reviews of the recent gold-ranked events are all on the WDF website, and my review of the non-gold-ranked events is coming later this week. Thank you very much to Cameron, Kirsty, and Sean for their time this week, and thank you as always for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. I'll be back next week with another show, but in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page Inside the WDF. You can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>